Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series we're doing called Do You Want to Get Well? We've got a lot of weeks in on this series, and uh, uh, I just think there's a lot of different ways to take it, so I'm kind of hanging with it until we, until I feel like I've exhausted the possibilities. But it's such a great question. Um, I think about this question all the time. I think it applies in every area of life. Do you really want to get well? Um, the, the answer to that question, the quick answer is, oh, of course I want to get well. But the deeper answer is, do you want to, you know, are you willing to do things God's way in order to experience that? Because um, that's where life is found. And we've, we've had the, a, a, a lot of discussions about all that this question means and what it looks like. And, and uh, you should have that pretty well in you by now. If not, go watch some of the older ones on the, on the website and, and uh, get, get to the foundation of the message. But over the last few weeks, we've been talking about, as people who say yes to the question, do you want to get well, that, that part of the mission then that we have, the ministry that we have, is to put courage into people so that they can say yes to that question themselves. We, we want to put courage into people to follow Jesus. So, so that's what it means to encourage. And, and we've been looking at the fact that, that we've been called to do just that. We've been called to encourage. With the same encouragement that we ourselves have received from God, we're to encourage others. And we've been looking at the scriptures for that. And then we've looked at encounters that Jesus has with people. And we see how, how he encourages them. And the life transformation that takes place out of a result of these encounters. And, and so we've looked at um, Jesus encouraging a tax collector, which we said, you know, was a label that nobody wanted any, they didn't want anything to do with tax collectors, but Jesus did. And we saw how his, his encounter impacted Matthew and how, you know, Matthew's one of the guys who wrote one of the gospels that impacts the world to this day, thousands of years later. We, we looked at the, an encounter that um, Jesus has with Peter, who had failed miserably there just before the crucifixion, and yet Jesus goes and encourages him and, and reestablishes him and restores him. And, and Peter is the one who stands up there at Pentecost and preaches a message where, where 3,000 are added, and, and uh, it's just a huge uh, process because Jesus saw in Peter, you know, the beauty of his potential. We... We talked about a, a woman caught in adultery that the established religious community didn't see any value in, and, and yet Jesus sees her value, and he, he encourages her, and, and uh, rather than condemn her, he points her to the truth and encourages her to experience life. And so uh, in those encounters, we talked about how Jesus sees people and, and how important it is for us to do that. We need to see people the way he does, and we, we've talked about that for several weeks. Then last week... I, I talked about in this idea of encouraging um, well um, the importance of listening well and, and, um, and that we need to hear uh, the way that, that Jesus heard and, and took in people. And we looked at an encounter Jesus has with Bartimaeus and, and how he heard him crying out for help when everyone else was telling him to be quiet. Jesus said, come on, come up here and encourages him and, and Bartimaeus' life is changed. Well, this week, I, I want to look at another encounter that Jesus has, and, I, and I, I want to talk about the importance of speaking well as it relates to encouraging well. So, so we've talked about seeing well, and we've talked about listening well, and today I want to talk a little bit about um, speaking well. But uh, just a little sidetrack, I know you guys like this before we hop from the intro into the message, I do this little bad spot, um, as if the video wasn't bad enough. Here we go. During a Sunday school class, the teacher asked the children, 
Who was most unhappy when the prodigal son came home? And they thought about it for a little while, and one little boy answered, the fattened calf. No? Okay. I had great hopes for that one. Because most people would go, you know, the older brother, but no. Thanksgiving's coming. A lady was picking through the frozen turkeys at the grocery store, but couldn't find one big enough for her family. So she said to the stock uh, boy, she said, hey, do these turkeys get any bigger? And he looks at her and says, no, ma'am, they're dead. (laughs) Scripture reading always bails me out. That's why I put it right here. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. This is out of the message paraphrase. I like this. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So as I said, I want to look at another encounter. And, and, uh, and in this one, we're going to see Jesus encouraging well by speaking well. And we'll see the importance of that. This is an encounter in John chapter 3 that Jesus has with a man named Nicodemus. Uh, and it's a, it's a fascinating encounter. I'll, I'll talk about it in chunks and, and we'll, we'll break up. But let's jump in. John chapter 3, 1 and 2. Uh, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. So um, Nicodemus, he represents the, the best in the nation. He's a teacher, um, he's a, a Pharisee, he's a member of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish ruling council, and I, I just think this is a great, uh, fascinating encounter. Nicodemus is, is, is this person of, of really great stature in the community, uh, and yet to meet with Jesus, he sneaks in at night so nobody will see him. And, and I think he, he opens up the conversation you know, with some real sort of flowery compliments towards Jesus, but uh, I think his actions of sneaking in at night don't seem to fit with the compliments very well. So, so understand this is a pretty interesting encounter that's going on between Jesus and Nicodemus. And let me say this too as we're, as we're talking about this. Um, life uh, is filled with encounters. That's why I keep looking at these encounters Jesus had. We all, all have these very interesting encounters. Um, and, and sometimes these encounters will include sort of challenging people. Um, that that the, the people will, will be challenging us, in effect. And, and uh, this really isn't a bad thing. It's, it's, it's not a threat. And, and God can use these encounters if we just get our thinking right in it. And, and so, because sometimes we'll, we'll have a challenging encounter where someone comes, and our reaction is to get very defensive. Um, and, and once we get defensive, we really lose most of our opportunities to use these encounters for the kingdom of God. But, but what we need to be settled in is that it's God who defines who we are. And if we're not settled in that, then we'll let other people try and define us. And then um, they're able to manipulate us with, with compliments, I think, you know, maybe what's going on. Or, or maybe they can intimidate us. But, but once we know who we are, and, and more importantly, maybe whose we are, that we belong to Christ, that we're 
children of the king, that we're followers of Jesus. Um, we're, we're disciples that are, that are certainly broken, but we're trying to, to live by doing the next right thing. Um, and so when we can kind of settle in who we are in him, then we're, we're much more likely to be less defensive in a challenging encounter um, because it becomes less the, you know, what about me, which is one of those things that we often turn to. Um, uh, it's not about having to prove we're right, um, which then allows us just to kind of think how God might actually be able to use the encounters that we're having and then allow us to use our words to bring life. And that's what we need, that's what speaking well is really all about. Using our words to bring life into people. And Jesus sees this encounter with Nicodemus as an opportunity to, to speak the truth in love and to use his words to bring life to Nicodemus. Let's go on, John 3, 3 through 6. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Now, here, what Jesus is doing, Jesus is very comfortable in who he is. He, he's not going to be swayed by Nicodemus one, one way or another. And so he's just able to seize this opportunity to tell Nicodemus about the love of God. And here's Jesus trying to tell a deeply religious person. And, and when I say that term, I don't necessarily, that's not necessarily a good thing. But someone who's a rule follower, um, who, who is a, 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 you know, has a very important stature. Um, and what Jesus is in effect telling him is that what he has isn't enough when it comes to the kingdom. Because unless we repent and come to Christ, we can't access the kingdom of God. And so it's not about our religious works or our political power or our position in society. It's always about his work and grace. And so Jesus is communicating this to Nicodemus in this encounter. It's also important to know here, I think, that Nicodemus comes to Jesus and, and asks him questions. Because I've said this to you before, um, how we live this life, um, our attempts to, to live by trying to do the next right thing... Um, even though we, we sometimes mess up, Jesus didn't, but we sometimes will. But it's in that process that, that we're going to have the most opportunity for people come to us and to talk to us um, and to engage us in these encounters. Now, sometimes it'll be to challenge us, sometimes it'll be to ask, but, but we're going to have these encounters that come up. And so we need to be aware that that happens. And so what's happening here is, is Jesus, is, like I said, he's using this to try and love Nicodemus into the kingdom um, by getting to see that he's not going to make it on his own righteousness. Big deal for someone of Nicodemus' position to get because all he thinks about is that it's his righteousness and his following the law that's, gonna, that's made him right with God. And Jesus is just now breaking that down, saying, no, that's not enough. You need grace. You need mercy. You need Jesus. That's what he's telling him. So um, uh, in the scripture reading then, John three sixteen to 17, you know that one, that you see how it in, uh, the, the whole conversation continues. Um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. And he didn't come to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Um, what Jesus is telling him in that conversation, and that's who that verse is all about, that you see, Jesus and Nicodemus in conversation. John three sixteen is this conversation that, you know, and that's the, the one, the verse that you always see at the football games and everything. It's this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And, and so Jesus is offering hope for a life to Nicodemus 
by sharing with him, in effect, the, the quintessential good news. And, and, and so he's sharing the concept of grace to a religious person who's only ever known the law. And even though the Old Testament certainly uh, speaks uh, and spoke about grace, um, the religious community at the time had completely lost the concept of God's grace and love. They had, it had just disappeared, and they were totally about works and the law. And, and so um, uh, Jesus finds a way to offer encouragement to him and, and hope to him because of the grace and the mercy of the Lord. And, and God is making a way for everyone to be in relationship with him forever in Christ. And so our part isn't to point fingers like we looked at and in our scripture reading verse. It's to, uh, it's to share this hope that we have in Christ. It's, it's, it's good news. See, we're, the church, is, we have good news. And, and when we share this good news with people, it should sound like good news. Somehow we get this thing so messed up that the good news we're sharing sounds like bad news to people. And whenever we're doing that, we're doing something wrong. It's good news. And, and, and so we, we need to understand that, that, that that's what we look for in these encounters. And in this encounter, um, I believe Jesus' words to Nicodemus um, result in Nicodemus being changed significantly for the kingdom. And, and I say that because of what happens um, at the end of um, Jesus' life, right after the crucifixion. Be- because here's, here's what takes place. It's one of the neatest stories, I think. Um, at, at the crucifixion, at the end, after everybody had gone and left Jesus, virtually alone, he was, you know, he died. Everybody had run off, scared, frightened, alone. Um, Nicodemus shows up with one other guy, Joseph of Arimathea, and they publicly take care of the body of Jesus. And they, they wrap it and prepare it for burial in the tomb. And uh, Nicodemus is no longer under the cover of darkness. It's wide out in the open. John 19, 39 through 40 says, uh, he was accompanied by Nicodemus as Joseph. The man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. And Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. And taking Jesus' body, the, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial custom. I always get, uh, I just think about how amazing it is that it was Nicodemus who was part of, of, of taking care of Jesus at that point in time, taking care of his body anyway. I mean, and, and, and just lovingly preparing it. Then um, he was there, no, no longer hiding in the dark. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad somebody was there at, at that point. Because I don't know if you take it like me, but it was the realization that Jesus um, had just gone through what he went through was because of me. Um, Me, my sin put him there. My my sin caused him to have to endure all that, my stuff. And I'm so so glad someone was was there. So, uh, these words are so powerful that we have. And that's the first point you know. It's the power of words. The power of words. In James chapter 3, verse 7 through 10, it says this, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not. So here we have James telling us that, that this is an issue. The words that we speak, um, we, we need to be aware of. And, and so we can use our words to build people up, 
or we can use our words to tear people down. And the power of words is amazing, really. Uh, it's amazing. You know, the, the old school yard thing that people say, you know, sticks and stones break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Is just, you, you heal much faster from your bones being broken by sticks and stones, generally my words that are spoken to you that are hurtful. You'll carry around hurtful words your entire life. I, uh, people still, uh, many of us, are operating under words that were spoken into us when we were children that should have never been said, and they've impacted us our entire lives, and people carry them with them their entire lives and operate under that premise, that they would never make it, that they're not good enough, that they're not smart enough, that whatever, 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 that should have never been said, and yet impacts people throughout sometimes their entire lives. And so, um, hurtful words are, are a big deal. And, uh, and, and yet our, our words are meant to encourage. We, we're to use our words. Uh, we need to be aware of this power that words have and use them to build up and to encourage and to bless. Um, but, but, you know, just like we've been talking about needing to see the way Jesus does and hear the way he does, we, we need to be able to speak the way that he does. James 3, 3 through 6. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small park, a spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. That's some pretty intense scripture, don't you think? I make you want to go, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> ew. So, <laughs> so, here we have this issue. And, and can you relate to that? How many times have things that you've spoken messed up your life? How many times have you thought to yourself, if I could have not said that, then, then so many things would have... It's just it's this, it's this amazing thing that happens, that sets all sorts of events in motion because of the power of words. And so with that in mind, we need to choose our words for good, which brings up point two. We always need to think before we speak. Um, think before you speak. And so, you know, remember who you are in Christ. You don't need to prove you're right. You don't need to immediately get to what about me in every situation which causes us to say things we should never say. And we don't need to be defensive. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint and a man of understanding is even-tempered. I love this verse, one of my favorites. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. Isn't that great promise? We can, we can elevate ourselves into being wise if we just are careful with what we say, at least perception-wise. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So we need to think before we speak. And, and three little questions, I think, that are very helpful. If you can just, if you can get these down, and then before you just launch into anything, ask yourself three quick questions. A. Is what I'm saying true? Is what you're about to say true? If it's not true, do not say it. It's, if it's not true, don't say it. If you don't know for a fact it's true, don't say it. If it's gossip, don't say it. If it's, if it's not something that you know absolutely 100% to be true, don't say it. And, and on that same note, don't pass it along in an email either. 
Do, do you, you guys know, right, that everything that you see on the internet is not necessarily true? And there's so much bad stuff floating around there that keeps getting passed on that no one stops to look at. Before you send, before you forward anything, find out if it's true. There's websites that will do that. Truthorfiction.com, Snopes.com. You can just go and ask, is this true? And almost always it's not true. And people are always getting people stirred up over things that just aren't true. <gasps> and then, so, if it's not true, don't say it. B, is what I'm saying helpful? Are you speaking these uh, uh, words that you're about to speak to build the person up you're talking to? Or is your desire to take them down a notch? Um, and, and, you know, along that line, is this something that really needs to be said? And never start with this. I don't mean to be rude, but. Don't say it. Don't say it, and don't say what you are about to say afterwards. Because you might not mean to be rude, but obviously you're aware of the fact that you're about to be rude, so don't do it. It's not worth it. You don't need to say it. You just don't need to say it. You don't need to. Don't say it. So just kind of wipe those words right out of your vocabulary. I'll watch them pop. In my own mind, I feel that come up. Everyone. I'm really helpful for this. Because I want to say, I don't mean to be rude. And then I realize I have every intention of being as rude as I possibly can right now. I'm trying to cut myself a little break out front here, but... You're about to have me be very rude. <sighs> C. Is what I'm saying loving? Great question. Is it loving? Is what I'm about to say motivated by the love that I have for that person that's in front of me? And if there's another motivation, which anger, frustration, vengeance, bite your tongue, hold your tongue. Don't say it. It's not worth it. It doesn't need to be said. Just don't do it. Think before you speak. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it loving? If it doesn't pass the test, do not say it. It's not worth it. Put it down. It won't do any good. Can't go back and unsay it. Don't say it. What we need to be focusing on is speaking well. And speaking well, its third point, is about speaking words of life. That's what it's all about. Proverbs 18.21 The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 12.25 An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. We're, we're to speak words that bring life to people. That's part of our mission. It's why we're here. We don't need to tear people down. We, we need to encourage people with the very same encouragement that we've received. The Lord Jesus has seen you. He's seen the beauty of your potential. He's called you son and daughter. He speaks words of life into you that you might have life now and forever. We're just supposed to respond in kind to the world around us and keep encouraging them and, and, and just tell them how much God loves them and, and keep giving them hope and use our words wisely. Um, our words should encourage people. They should inspire people. They should calm people. Um, they, they should sometimes challenge people that we're talking to, but our motivation is one of love. It needs to be said in a way that, that um, they can get, that you have a genuine concern for them. Um, we need to temper our words with kindness and compassion, with grace and, and mercy. And, and, and even if, we, if it's necessary to, to correct someone, um, it should be done in an encouraging way, pointing up strengths and, and encouraging people to, to bring out their best. See, that's what speaking well is about. And all of us can do better. All of us can do better. So last week I talked about listening well. 
And, and this week, um, I, here's my encouragement to you, because it still ties back to last week about listening well. This week, what I want you to do is listen to the words you're speaking. Listen to what you're saying. Are you using your words to bring life, to encourage, to inspire? Or are you using your words to gossip, discourage, and deflate? You listen. We talked about listening last week. And you see how you're doing. And then from there, hopefully we can all make some changes so that we can use our words to bring life, encourage people so that they can experience a life that Jesus wants them to experience, a full and abundant now and forever life. Amen? Amen. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We know how valuable your time is, and uh, we appreciate you. If you need prayer, go to our website, keysvineyard.com, and uh, there's a prayer page. Put in your prayer request. We'll pray for you, or you can call us with your prayer request. We'd be happy to do that, too. And don't forget, if you're in the area, come and visit. We'd love to see you here. Thank you for spending time with us today.